Hello and welcome to the Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about drawing. Uh, drawing is something that a lot of artists do regularly, uh, but for others, especially abstract artists, it has been pushed back to a musty corner with art school exercises or early work in real But drawing, including abstract drawing, is an excellent way to keep your work vital and personal. What is the role of drawing in your work? And is it something that you would like to develop? With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. And it's uh, it's good to be back in the messy closet studio. Right. Yeah, you're back in Wisconsin <laughs> for just a very short period of time. Yes, I, I got back uh, just a few days ago and I leave tomorrow for Greece. Yeah, it's I know it's been uh, difficult for you, you know, adjusting to the time zone here in the States and then going straight back to Europe. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I don't want to complain, actually, because that wouldn't sound so good. <laughs> right, right. Nobody wants to hear anyone complain about that kind of travel. So. Right. I mean, it's something that, that a lot of people aspire to, but, you know, at some point it is kind of your work and it's yeah. not, uh, it's not easy to make those adjustments. Yeah. Jet lag is a, is a thing. Yeah, yeah. And it gets harder as you get older. I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, it's kind of like a, a night of heavy drinking or something. You can adjust to it fairly easily, you know, if you're 20 years old or whatever. But, but when you're old and decrepit, like your mother. Right. <laughs> Not my words. <laughs> All right, then. Moving right along. Right along, yeah. Yeah, and I've I've been working very hard lately, too, as well. I just launched uh, a, a product here, and um, so I've, yeah. I've been working full-time at my regular job and launching my own company, and I'm back to driving rideshare a little bit to try to get that extra money. So yeah, You need that CBD to mellow out. There. Right, right. Yeah, for those who aren't aware, I just launched a, uh, a CBD company. Um, I'm, I'm one of those people hopping on the CBD bandwagon. Um, so right now, if you're in the state of Wisconsin, there's uh, several locations where you can buy my CBD-infused uh, sparkling, sparkling water um, uh, we also do one that's uh, that's low carbonation as well. That's if you don't like clear water, water CBD, folks. Yeah, Clearwater CBD, <laughs> Clearwater-CBD.com. So okay, that's our that's our that's product my plug. plug. Yeah, that's my plug for the day. Sponsored by Clearwater yeah. CBD. Okay. <laughs> All right. But so, we're, yeah, we're going to jump right into drawing here, uh, right. which is something that, um, you know, as we said in the intro, is is something that a lot of people associate with kind of art you know, art school classes or things that they were maybe kind of forced into that they yeah, didn't really has, enjoy. It has a rather dry um, kind of aura around it. Right, and, right. Um, and so I, I thought about talking about this because... Uh, the podcast I did with Nula Clark and Joanna Kidney, which was number 68, when I talked to them in Ireland about how they bring intuition into their work, they both mentioned drawing. And and I, I think about it quite a bit in my own work as well. And so I thought, well, why? I, sometimes like I try to promote it to my students and stuff, and I, I often meet with a certain amount of resistance. And I think, what is that? So I I looked up the definition of drawing, which was really made me yawn, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> so, uh, 
the draw the definition of drawing by the Merriam-Webster dictionary, it, it really shows the narrow way in which a lot of people think of drawing, which is, I quote, the art or technique of representing an object or outlining a figure, plan, or sketch by means of lines. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I zoned out for a second. Were you saying something? <laughs> Yeah, I was. And and unfortunately, that's like that idea of we're just rendering something from reality with lines, probably with a pencil. And the other one I looked up, it's just similarly um, limited. Uh, this is the Oxford English Dictionary. A picture or diagram made with a pencil, pen, or crayon rather than paint. I, you know, I thought that a definition couldn't get worse than the last one, but... So I think... I mean, excuse me, but I draw with paint and lots of people do. So I I think uh, it just, I don't know, it just drove home the point to me of where do we get these ideas that it's such a narrow thing. Of course, there are many wonderful drawings that would fit these descriptions, but there are lots of other possibilities as well. And I Right, think, right. So it, it occurred to me that... Um, Saying uh, the other thing people say, especially if they don't have an art background and they're coming into art late in life or whatever it is, and they will say, uh, or they or they have nothing to do with art, they don't want to go there. They say, "I can't draw," and or "I can't draw a stick figure." That's the other one you hear, um, and that seems kind of sad to me because I think that shows that limitation, that limited idea of what drawing is. And to me, it's a bit like saying, I can't cook. You know, I mean, everybody can cook something, you know? Right, right. It's, it's more like saying, I have not been taught to cook or I have not been taught to draw. Right. And so, you know, anybody who is feeding themselves probably can cook something and it's a place to start. And maybe the first time you actually just put some ingredients together that you happen to have around and come up with something good and say, oh, well, actually, yeah, that's interesting. You know, and then, then you feel like this energy to uh, learn a little more and improve a little more and find out things. And so I think you know, drawing is similar in the way that you can just start where you are. Right. And it's interesting, like, I remember studying um, creativity in children long ago, and children typically are very uninhibited about drawing for quite a long time. And then around the age of, I think it's around 10 or so, they start to want more realism in their work. They start to get tighter. Uh, but if you ask an adult who hasn't drawn since childhood, um, Many of them go back to that point where they started to get uptight about it. And they and if you say, can you draw me a house and a tree, you know, it might look a lot like a an eight-year-old or a seven-year-old drawing, even younger. Um, but we all did draw as children, and we drew um, uninhibitedly and with joy. And so that's one of the things to think about is tapping back into that original direct creativity that we all had. Right. I think that, uh, you know, most kids are they 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 feel free to draw outside the lines in the coloring book until someone tells them not mm -hmm. to. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that there's a point in in child development in terms of their artwork where, you know, some well-meaning adult is is pushing them in a direction that maybe they they wouldn't go naturally. Well, and even. I mean, from what I remember, and, you know, there may be people that know more about this than I do that are listening, but it is a point of, 
in brain development where you do start to want more realism or you want you know you want your work to to show something more realistic and that's perfectly fine but um you know even even at that point it can be approached with creativity rather than this is how you do it one two three right right which is the way a lot of people experienced learning how to draw so i think the the roots of this resistance to drawing in in a lot of people go back pretty far and the the term mark making which is a a more contemporary word i think is so much more inclusive and i like to use it um alongside drawing because it can include painting and it can include drawing with non-traditional materials and it can include very abstract kind of work as well as these kind of dry reproductions that we learn about in the dictionary so um and i think you know if you look at just just do some internet browsing on almost any modern or contemporary well-known painter especially or sculptor you'll see a lot of examples of some wonderful drawing that they've done either in its own right or as part of their overall practice especially sculptors you know they they need to visualize and so um drawing a lot of three-dimensional looking objects, but usually in kind of a loose way. They're generating ideas um, and lots of painters draw. And so, and as well as um, painters like Cy Twombly, I mean, drawing is a huge part of his work. It's it's that line, that mark making, that loose thing that he does that he's known for. So I think just, you know, opening up your awareness of what happens in art history with drawing is, is kind of a, a really good thing to do. Well, and I, I think that uh, some some very well-known historical painters, there have been drawings that have been uncovered from actually b- beneath finished works mm-hmm. that they that they then painted over mm-hmm. or, um, you know, were, were kind of discarded, but, um, you know, were maybe outside of like a style that they were really well known for and they were using drawing as a way to kind of push their boundaries, mm-hmm. um, you know, so it's... Yeah, it's always, it is probably the most direct way of making art, you know, it just uh, directly from your hand and... Um, it can be, it can be very precise. It can be very loose and experimental. It can be done with all sorts of materials. Um, I think it's interesting to to consider some non traditional drawing materials that I've noticed in certain people's work, like like uh, wire and sticks and uh, tar. <laughs> you know, like all kinds of odd things, and even drawing right on. The gallery walls. I I recently saw a show in Atlanta by Rocio Rodriguez, where she drew right on the walls and um, met an artist called Lynn Myers at um, Ballon Glen a couple of years ago, and she does this as well. Um, and so even getting past the idea of that you're drawing on a on a picture plane on a on a panel or a piece of paper, but drawing very large, very large scale. Right, and. You know, I, I I need to bring it back to my my cold you know entrepreneurial businessman okay. mindset here for a second. <laughs> do you, do you have any idea like how they would sell that art or? I don't think they would. I mean, I the when I have seen it, it's been part of an ex- exhibition, so okay. they had other things hanging, and then we're also probably the gallery invited them or they requested right, right. to do a piece on the wall, and it 
it's another way of expanding the viewer's vision of of what they're about. So then know? the gallery has this like for a limited time, mm-hmm. you know, you have to see it here type art. You know, mm-hmm. you're never going to see it again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would assume it would get like painted over eventually. Yeah, I think so. And there, I think there was a video um, in the Rodriguez show of her creating something right, on the wall. Right. So, you know, it's usually documented in some way. And um, so the gallery is then using that as a way to like draw people into the yeah. door and then hopefully they buy something yeah. that yes. can be removed from the wall. <laughs> Does that make you feel better? <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's just interesting to me. Like when I when I see certain like kind of business practices, I'm like, how are they? Yeah. Why why are they doing this? You know, right, how, right. how does this benefit them? But yeah, it's it's part of us. I would say an expanded view of letting people see the artist's full range. I mean, you know, if if you're only limited to things that can be taken off the wall and taken home, for some artists, you're limiting what you know about them. And what they prefer to be doing or what they like to do. So um, that's, you know, kind of another whole topic of how there are artists that definitely uh, aren't quite in the mold of fashion carry. Right, right. (laughs) Um, But I I think that, um, you know, looking at these kind of, I don't know, just educating yourself about the range of possibilities is is really mind expanding and, and... it's just one of those words like, um, I know I mentioned when we were talking about the visual elements and when I say the word shape and people immediately think shape has got a strong boundary around it and it's maybe colored inside or something, you know, and, uh, drawing similarly has this boundary around it or what it is. So I guess if you take anything away from this podcast, it would be to, to get online and start looking up contemporary drawings, uh, Instagram, you know, that's a hashtag and you would see some pretty interesting things and, and observe the, the scale of things because drawing is typically thought of as a kind of an intimate activity. It's usually on a scale that you would, um, be able to pick it up or whatever. There are very huge drawings and there are very, very tiny, intricate drawings. Um, we did a podcast early on with Michael Geddes. That was a, yeah, that's actually one of my favorites. Yeah, number twenty one, and Michael Geddes was somebody that I met at Bow and Glen Arts Foundation who spent, I believe, it was two weeks on one drawing, and it was very, very intricate. And we'll link to that episode in the in the description for this episode. And I, I happened to see that piece um, after it had been framed when I was in Ireland. This time, it was uh, ready to be hung in the new museum there when they get that finished. And it's it's you know it's amazing to to realize what went into that that drawing. It almost exceeds the idea of what is possible in in the human brain and um, hand. You know, right, right. And um, on the other end of the spectrum is like very kind of gestural, absolutely. Um, you know, Huge. using maybe like charcoal or uh, or ink and brush. Yes, and lots of movement, body movement, um, and so. Anyway, that I, I just wanted to start out with that kind of, I don't know, expand the ideas, um, kind of an introduction, and then, and then kind of go into more about, you know, why, why is it important? Because I, I think, as I mentioned, it's, it is a very direct connection between you as the artist and your viewer. In most forms of drawing that I can think of, there would be the viewer would be very aware that 
that this how direct it is. It's not a indirect technique like printmaking. It's not a fabricated thing like a sculpture. It is absolutely right on that you're right there with the person doing this drawing. And so that is a that is a good reason to develop it. It's it's part of your personal voice and it can be it can have an aspect to it that is extremely individualized, um, kind of like your handwriting, right? I mean, I think that is also a reason that people can be self-conscious about their drawing or mark making because it is so direct and it is so much like your handwriting, <laughs> which some people feel self-conscious about that and feel that, you know, it, it's a window into your personality Right. There's like this whole field of handwriting analysis and and people kind of building profiles based on handwriting and stuff that you... Yeah, it's a little scary, you know, because I I myself have very bizarre handwriting, so I I wouldn't want anyone to analyze it, but... Right, right. (laughs) I have very similar handwriting, so... (laughs) We have a strange family. (laughs) But yeah, I do things like mix capitals and lowercase and script and printed and all this stuff, and this is just what comes out of me, but... I think, yeah, I think there is that feeling of um, being a little too personal in our drawing. And and also it maybe goes back to that, that critical stage when you're a kid and somebody says, oh, that that's not right. That doesn't look right. You know, that's not a person. And it brings up those kind of memories and inhibitions. Right. Yeah. And, and when you're in those early stages of drawing, too, and some well-meaning adult is trying to steer you in certain directions, they tend to encourage the use of symbols rather than... Um, you know, trying actual, yeah, actual observation, actually depicting things the way right. they appear. So a house is a square with a triangle. Right, on the top. right. A tree is like looks kind of like like a lollipop. You know, yeah, it's got yeah. like you know round circle on top of a yeah. you know. I, I mean, I don't know where this and, stuff comes from. Um, you know, people's faces, faces. You know, like the the nose has this kind of triangle shape. You know, yeah. rather than depicting yeah. the the actual curvatures of the cartilage in the face. Uh-huh. And uh, one of, actually one of the signs of um, children who have a higher creativity expression, at least they've been encouraged to express it or they have it naturally, is that they include details that are personal and observed. Right, right. And, you know, this is my favorite shirt and it's got this pattern on it kind of thing rather than a generic shirt. So, um, anyway, uh, where were we? Um, <laughs> so what, so what, what kind of things, um, what kind of ways is drawing important? I would say one of the things is just your your own personal note-taking. Um, and for many people, this is some sort of a sketchbook, right? And a sketchbook is another one of those terms. It doesn't have to be... Uh, like some, something that you had to buy for some art class in college. Right, that, and with, with kind of not very good paper. Right, and, right. You know, <laughs> I mean, you could make your own sketchbook. You can... Um, you can draw on anything and bind it together. And I know people who have bought old used books and drawn inside the books and things like that. So, um, and your drawings can be anything. They can be things that you observe. And this is a good practice. You know, it really sharpens your ability to see and your hand-eye coordination. And I suggest it for people that um, say, usually work more abstractly to now and then sit down and draw 
something you see. Um, a figure, I, I think I've probably mentioned that when I'm in New Mexico, I go to a figure drawing group and it's amazing. It's it's challenging, it's exciting, it's fun to try to get the figure drawn correctly. Um, but also there's lots of looser kinds of things you can do in a sketchbook that, you know, it can just be for you. It doesn't have to be anything more than warming up, moving materials around. But I think when you when you start keeping a sketchbook, and I have for many years, it's so interesting to look back through them. And sometimes what I draw are nothing but diagrams of, of very loose diagrams of like, I'm looking at a painting and uh, what might be the next step. So I'll just sketch something or, um, or I'm just, you know, moving some kind of chalk or something around on the page to see what it can do. And, um, so it can be all kinds of things, just ideas, observations, you can write stuff in it, but it becomes a very kind of a powerful tool, I think, for connecting with your intuition. And this is, again, something that Joanna and um, Nula talked about, is a way of uh, connecting with your intuition. And, you know, there are more traditional roles for drawing, for sure. Um, studies. Again, study is one of those words that perhaps um, might make you yawn because it sounds too much like homework or something. But um, studies can also be just thought of as a point of departure. And as you mentioned, sometimes a study underneath a painting might be really different than the way the painting ended up. Um, or you might have an idea and just do 10 drawings that until you hit on something that you thought might point the right way. Right. Well, and because drawing is is so quick, it's a it's a good way to explore kind of new ideas or new styles. Um, you know, one one that I was thinking of specifically um, is there's a uh, there's a Van Gogh, and there's it, I guess it's been disputed for years whether it's a whether it's a legitimate painting of his or not. But it, the bottom of the painting is kind of unfinished, and there's like this little sketch of kind of a Japanese style samurai figure. Uh huh. And, uh, you know, like he was exploring possibly these completely, you know, other huh. other side of the world drawing styles. Huh. And, um, yeah, I need to I need to look up this painting and see if I can add it to the to yeah, the description for this episode. I never heard that one. Um, yeah. yeah. And of course, there's um, drawings underneath Picasso's and stuff like that that they've, you know, yeah. uh, revealed with X-ray technology and things like that. And mm-hmm. um, uh, Leonardo was, da Vinci was notorious for these intricate drawings that he did that um, are in, in many ways more uh, prolific than his, uh, his paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it just all gets back to that idea that drawing is a, is a portal. It's a portal into a more, a very open-ended way of approaching your work. And when you get down to your, your final piece that you're finished with, you probably have had to, narrow down your focus a lot but in your own little world of drawing you can do anything anything at all and and just because you may do it only for yourself doesn't mean it's not important um sometimes people do little things or you know little sketches or doodles where they're like oh this isn't important um it's not part of what i do but i would say it's all part of what you do whether you do it just for yourself or whether it actually enters your work and you never know what may enter your work. Um, and I think for people that their work is, ends up being realistic and, um, quite observational, 
it doesn't hurt at all to just play around with shapes and lines because that expands your vocabulary when you're working more realistically. So I think it's good for people to, I guess I mentioned like abstract artists drawing from the figure, it's good to kind of flip, you know, and and do that thing that you don't do <laughs> and see what it'll bring to what you do because um, I don't think you can predict that. And it's, we don't want to limit ourselves, right? Right. So do, do you have any specific tips for people who are exploring drawing? Um. Yeah, I think... I think that uh, when you look at other people's drawings, it's good to notice what do you like about them and do you respond to more precise drawing when you see it in other people's work or does do, are you more excited by, you know, the looser, more expressive kind of mark making? And, you know, it's, I guess I say that with a little bit of a caveat because what we what we like in other people's work isn't necessarily what's right for us. But it is worth noting, you know, if you if you feel yourself drawn to a certain type of drawing, then try it for yourself at least. And expand the idea of what drawing can bring to your work, because I think we always think of it in terms of imagery and usually realism. Well, drawing can be a way of bringing visual texture to your work. And I do this a lot in my own work where I have areas that are drawn over with cross-hatching or scribbling or something, and it, it builds up this rich network of lines that becomes texture or shape. And so it, it can contribute to ways of using the other visual elements. And it's also structural. And especially, um, you may not think of this in abstraction, but when you're making a composition uh, in a painting, Lines can be really important in in directing the viewer's eye of where to go in the work. And a thoughtfully placed line can do an enormous, can add an enormous amount of power to a work. Um, and so sometimes we have marks that are very spontaneous and intuitive and not thought out. And sometimes there's a point, at least in my own work, where I stand back and I say, now, what lines will bring this piece together? And sometimes I actually draw them, and sometimes they're implied lines. And implied lines are not actually there, but it's a way of emphasizing different parts of the painting so that the viewer draws the connection between them. So, it, you know, it's kind of a little bit complicated there. Uh, I don't want to over-intellectualize it, but it, it lines can be a really powerful, powerful thing. So do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Um, yeah, I think we've kind of, in a in a somewhat superficial way, talked about a lot of different kinds of drawing and mark making and emphasized that if it's something that isn't in your work and isn't strong in your work, then consider putting it there. Um, I think that the act of drawing, just doing it helps you to sharpen your hand-eye coordination, um, your observational skills if you're working from life, or your intuitive skills if you're working in a more um, abstract, expressive way. And uh, just a great way to, to generate ideas. All right. Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. 
please make sure to check out squeegeepress.com as well as www.rebeccacroll.com and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.